you for the Adult Bedwetting Podcast, episode number two. I'm your host, Adult and Uretic. Thank you for sticking with me past the first episode. I think it was a little dry, and hopefully this episode will be a little bit more interesting. It's that time of year when a lot of us are celebrating some sort of holiday, so I wanted to say happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, or whatever it is that you're celebrating this time of year. In that vein, this week I wanted to talk about visiting family for the holidays. Maybe you're already in the midst of a visit. Maybe you've got a visit yet to come up. Maybe you're staying home for the holidays this year. You've had a visit that you've gone to in the past. Hopefully you'll find some of this interesting. Visiting family for the holidays can be nerve-wracking. It puts you in contact with people who sure their family but you maybe don't spend a lot of time with them on a regular basis. So it puts you out of your element. It puts you into somebody else's home that you wouldn't necessarily be spending time in. It puts you into sleeping arrangements that aren't your usual situation. There are some factors you're going to be able to control during the trip, but a lot that you're not. It's important to take control of as many of those factors as you can to try and make your trip as successful as possible. One factor that's important to consider is how long your trip is. Day trip versus an overnight trip versus the longer trip or even a multi-destination trip are going to have very different tactics for dealing with them. The shorter the trip, generally the easier it is to deal with. Even if you're fully incontinent, a day trip might be a trip where you can pack in and pack out everything that you need. You can bag use diapers and take them with you in a backpack if you don't want to try and dispose of them on site. If you're a bedwetter, you can do the same thing with an overnight trip. Longer trips are where things start to get tricky. The most complicated scenario is a multi-destination trip. This would be the type of trip where you're trying to kill two birds with one stone or maybe many birds with one stone. Let's say that you live out of state and you have lots of relatives that you're going to try and visit all at once. You're moving from location to location without ever returning to your home base. This affords you no time to resupply and the most different scenarios to have to deal with before returning home. Generally speaking, you want to over-prepare for your trips. You want to bring more protection than than you predict that you're going to need. If you're going to be gone for seven days, you want to bring what you predict that you're going to need for seven days, plus 20 to 30%. This allowance gives you extra room in case you mispredict how much you're going to need, or if you have products that fail, tapes that break, diapers that tear, you discover that there was a failure during the manufacturing process and there's pinholes in the backing, anything of that nature. However, the longer the trip, the more difficult that gets to be. Diapers take up a lot of space in luggage or in the storage compartment of the vehicle. So taking a lot of extra diapers takes up a lot of space that you might need for clothing or other supplies. This assumes that you even have the luxury of the back of the vehicle to pack in. If you're traveling by airline or by train or some other method, you may have to check all of your luggage. And in that case, you may not have the space to pack that many diapers to begin with. In that case, you may have to look at alternatives such as shipping ahead or buying on site. 
Shipping ahead is an option if you know exactly where you're going to be, at what time, and you know that somebody's going to be there to receive your package. This assumes that somebody who's going to receive your package is not going to be nosy and open it, or that you trust the person who's there to open it, and that they already know about your issues. You can also try and time a package to arrive while you're there, but you still have to hope that the person who answers the door brings you the package rather than trying to open it themselves, and that your package doesn't get delayed, not only leaving you short of product, but showing up after you're gone with somebody else to receive it in your absence. The other option is to buy on site. This leaves you to go to the local pharmacy or supermarket and see what they have in stock. This usually doesn't leave you with a good selection to choose from, and your favorite brands are often not going to be available. You can try for local medical stores. You can even call ahead and ask them what they can order, see if they can get something more acceptable. But you're still probably going to have limited choices. If you get stuck with inferior products, you do have the option to try and double up on the products. You can cut slits in the back of interior diaper that you put on and then stack another one over the outside. You can use baby diapers as stuffers, essentially the same process. Cut slits in the backing of the baby diaper, stuff it inside of the adult diaper that you're using and wear that. Or look for boosters. Boosters are usually not available in supermarkets, but sometimes you can find them in pharmacies, or you might be able to find them in a medical store. Another important factor when considering a visit for the holidays is the size of the group that you're going to be visiting with. Visiting a group of four or six people is very different than visiting a group of 10 or 14. While you might not mind having a sibling or a parent knowing, it's much less likely that you want your entire extended family to know. With a small group, it's also more likely that you'll get your own accommodations, whereas with a very large group, it's more likely that you may have to share a room. In a large group, some people opt to rent a hotel room or an Airbnb nearby rather than have a limited amount of privacy that would come with having a shared space. If you must share a room, it's best to do all changes in the bathroom and keep as small a supply of diapers in the room as possible, keeping the remaining ones out in the vehicle if you have access to one. In a family setting, you should make note, especially if you've been a lifelong bedwetter, not only of who knows, but who used to know. You can run afoul of the fact that an aunt or an uncle might have had knowledge in the past that you were a bedwetter, and it could come up during conversation if you're not careful. Especially if they knew that you were a bedwetter to a late age, you might want to have a response ready in case they bring it up. This topic has actually arisen several times on the adult bedwetting subreddit. This type of thing probably becomes more common if people's tongues are loosened by alcohol. Speaking of alcohol, do remember that alcohol is a diuretic, and any consumption of alcohol will make wetting heavier. At home, disposing of diapers is routine. 
but away from home becomes something that you have to give some consideration to, especially when you're in somebody else's home. How are you going to do it becomes an issue that you have to think through. Are you going to put it into their trash can inside? Are you going to try and sneak it outside? Do you need to sneak it outside? Is it something that you have somebody in the house that knows about your issue? Is it going to be something where you can put it in their trash can without them winking an eye if they see it? Are you going to double bag it? Are you going to carry disposable diapers out to the trash can as a outside trash can as a courtesy? Even if one person in the house knows, are you hiding it from other people in the house? Bathroom trash cans are often quite small and don't hold enough that you can safely put a diaper in there without it being easily noticed by other people. Kitchen trash cans are much larger and get a lot of use. They get taken out frequently. So they're a much better bet, but they also tend to be in a high traffic area of the house, so it's much more difficult to sneak a diaper into them without being seen by somebody. Another option is always to bag the diaper, put it in a backpack or some other sort of bag, take it outside, and try and put it directly into the outside trash can, assuming that there is one. Probably the worst option is to try and store used diapers anywhere warm for more than a day. The odor will give you away pretty quickly. What if you've got a good handle on all of the rest of this, and the worst should still happen, and you experience a leak? If you need the washing machine, is there a washing machine available? What if your host lives in an apartment, they don't have a washing machine, they only have a laundromat available? Do you know how to operate your host's washing machine? Do you have a decent excuse for why you need to run a load of laundry all of a sudden, or do you just need to come clean? This is one of those times where it's usually good to have at least one ally. One person that you're visiting who knows about your issues. One person who you can turn to when the situation gets a little bit hairy. Not just to help you run the washing machine or set you up when you need it, but somebody who can receive that extra package that you have coming in the mail. Somebody who understands why you have so much extra luggage and can give you somewhere to store it. Someone who can tell you which trash can is the best one to use when you need it. Having somebody in your corner can make all the difference when you're in a tight situation. Of course, some people might want to try and skip all of this altogether and go for a pharmaceutical option. A temporary option would be to take desmopressin for the duration of the trip. Desmopressin is a drug that you need a prescription for it has pros and cons. In my opinion, the cons outweigh the pros. I'll explain both of them. Desmopressin comes under the brand name DDAVP, and it's um, a synthetic analog for vasopressin, which is also known as antidiuretic hormone. So your body normally monitors the saltiness of your blood. If your blood gets too salty, your body releases vasopressin, and that causes your kidneys to absorb more water, and that makes your blood less salty. If your blood gets really diluted, 
your body stops producing vasopressin, and that causes your kidneys to excrete more water, and you get really diluted urine instead. What desmopressin does is it mimics the action of vasopressin. So when you take desmopressin, it tells your kidneys to stop excreting water. Now this drug was originally created for people who had a disorder called diabetes insipidus. This is different than diabetes mellitus, which is the more common diabetes that we hear about, which is known as sugar diabetes. Diabetes insipidus is water diabetes. Diabetes insipidus is a form of diabetes where you don't produce any normal quantity of vasopressin, so your body is constantly excreting water at a really high rate. So the desmopressin was created to combat that. People would take it orally and it would cause them to stop releasing so much urine and their body would be able to concentrate urine again and it would bring their concentration of their uh, blood back into balance. It was pretty quickly discovered that this was also useful for treating bedwetting. You can take this drug in the evening and it will work overnight. It has a pretty short half-life it doesn't last long into the next day. But if you take it overnight, it'll stop your kidneys from producing urine for a few hours, and that will usually get you through the night without producing enough urine to wet the bed. And then the next day it wears off, and you go back to a normal production of urine during the day the next day. Because the half-life of the drug is so short, it only works during the period of time that you're taking it, it doesn't really have any lag that lasts afterwards. So you can take it for a period of time. It works almost immediately when you begin taking it. And it stops immediately when you stop taking it. So people can go to their doctor, get a prescription for it, take it during a trip. And then when they get to the end of the trip, they can stop taking it and they go back to normal. That's somewhat advantageous as sometimes when people take it for a long period of time, they start to build up a resistance to it. And it stops being so effective, and they have to raise the dose and raise the dose and raise the dose until they reach the maximum dose possible, at which point you kind of have to detox from it and drop back to a baseline dose and start over again. Desmopressin comes in three forms. You can get it in a tablet, sublingual melts, which are like little wafers you stick under your tongue and they melt, or as a nasal spray. Now, if that was it, that would sound pretty good. The problem with desmopressin is that it has a ton of drug interactions, too many for me to list. And that's not the only problem. It has a, another risk associated with it called hyponatremia. Hyponatremia means too little sodium in the blood. But what it really boils down to is too much water in the blood. Under normal circumstances, if you drink a lot of water, your body just increases the amount of your body decreases the amount of vasopressin being produced, and you simply excrete the extra water as urine. If you're taking desmopressin, you're overriding that ability. 
your body can't excrete the extra water. Because of that, if you take Desmopressin, you have to be extremely careful with the amount of liquid that you drink. The problem here is that people think that when they're taking it, it's like a get-out-of-jail-free card. You take the Desmopressin, you're not going to wet the bed, you can drink whatever you want. And that's really not the case. As tempting as that may sound, it's a recipe for disaster. What happens if you take Desmopressin and drink too much liquid is that because your body can't expel it, if the concentration of water gets too high in your blood versus the amount of sodium that's present, the cells in your bloodstream will start to swell. If they get too swollen, they can even start to sickle, and in the worst case scenarios, they can start to burst. Before that happens, though, generally, it'll cause something called cerebral edema. It can cause headaches, vomiting, even seizures, and in the worst cases, death. And that's not just a warning, it's actually happened in cases before. There was a high-profile case, it was a few years back now, it wasn't related to desmopressin, but it was related to drinking too much water. These cases are sometimes referred to as water intoxication. Of a woman who joined a radio challenge. Uh, it was the year that the Nintendo Wii was released and they were impossible to get a hold of. And a radio um, station ran a contest called Hold Your Wii for a Wii where they did a contest where people had to continuously drink water and the last person to leave to use the bathroom won the Nintendo Wii. Now, this contest went on for a number of hours, and every so often, all the participants had to drink another bottle of water. The woman uh, in question didn't even end up winning. It had gone on for so long that she ended up giving up and came in second. They came to some sort of a truce, and she didn't win the prize. She went home, didn't feel well, and called in sick took a nap and never woke up. One of the worst parts about this was that when they were planning this contest, they were advertising it, and they had people calling in to tell them this was a bad idea and what might happen, including nurses. Deaths have also been linked to the use of desmopressin for the treatment of bedwetting. Of course, these events are quite rare, otherwise the FDA would just pull it from the market. But it does happen, and I thought that it was worth reporting. Now I'd like to tell some stories from the subreddit about visiting for holidays. I'll start, start off talking about um, my own years visiting for holidays. My wife and I used to live out of state, so we had to travel a long distance for the holidays about a thousand miles. We used to drive for financial reasons, medical reasons. I had um, DVTs, pulmonary embolisms, so flying wasn't really a great idea. I need to be able to get out every hour and a half or so, walk around, stretch my legs. Because we were driving, uh, there was always a risk that I was going to fall asleep so I used to wear a diaper in the uh, car. I was usually the passenger because it let me stretch my legs a little bit better, being able to push the seat all the way back, stretch my legs forward, 
So I didn't do a lot of the driving. My wife used to drive most of the time. For the longer trips, I used to pack half my suitcase with diapers. I also used to put the roof box on top of the car. So that extra space up there, sometimes I'd put a pack of diapers up there in the roof box. Nobody knew except for my wife at the time. So I was trying to keep it a secret. So I'd sometimes put the pack of diapers in the roof in a backpack. We were usually traveling to both my in-laws and my parents' house. So we were doing one of those multiple destination trips. We were both about a thousand miles away, but about 150 miles between them. We met in the same state and then we moved farther away. So it was a long trip to get back to our home state and then not as long between the two destinations. Staying at my parents was relatively easy. My parents had normal garbage. We could take things out to the garbage. I would sneak diapers out, put them in the garbage, and it wasn't a big challenge. I would take diapers out every day or so. My parents had enough room that we usually had our own separate bedroom without a problem. There was one time that I ran out of diapers there. You usually go to my parents' house second. And there was one time that I miscalculated. Or it might have been that there was a snowstorm. I stayed there a little bit longer than we had intended. And I ended up having to go to the local pharmacy. I used one of the pharmacy brands, and I think I just doubled up. I used two diapers at a time and just cut slits in the inner diaper. Made a double diaper out of it, and that worked temporarily until we could get back home. Staying with my in-laws was always a little bit trickier. Uh, depended whether or not my wife's brothers were staying as well. They lived closer, but sometimes they would stay over for Christmas. Uh, if that was the case, there were only two bedrooms for the three siblings. Usually one of them would end up just sleeping downstairs on the couch. But it was just a tighter living arrangement, more people in the house. And again, nobody knew about my wife. Part of the trick here was that my in-laws did not have trash pickup. They live in a rural area. Uh, they used to burn pretty much all of their trash except for the things that could not be burned which they would have to pay to take to a transfer station. So I would either have to take diapers to where my father-in-law was going to take them to the transfer station which would have raised eyebrows or take them to his burning barrel and if you don't know wet diapers don't burn or I would have to store them and try and take them to town and find a dumpster. So that was the option that I usually would end up having to go with. Or I guess, honestly, that was the option that I exclusively went with because I didn't want to have to deal with one of the other options. So what I would end up doing was bringing lots of extra plastic bags. I would take usually two diapers. I would store one in a plastic bag from like a uh, grocery store for a day. And on the second day I would put both of them into 
uh, kitchen trash bag, and I would tie it off. I would sneak it out to the car, put it in the roof box, where because it was the middle of the winter, it would freeze. Then I would leave it there until we had an opportunity to go into town, and then I'd have to find somewhere to dispose of it, usually a gas station or a grocery store or somewhere where they had a dumpster that I could get access to. So that was uh, our big challenge there. Other than that, it wasn't terribly difficult. There was one time that I accidentally left a pair of uh, whole pants hanging on the doorknob in my in-laws bathroom all day long. I believe it was on Christmas Day. I don't think anybody noticed. It was on the inside of the doorknob. I just left it hanging there. And it stayed there and nobody said anything. It was the upstairs bathroom, which I don't think anybody else had used. It stayed there for several hours. I tend to bring disposable bed pads with me when we go places so that we never have a need to use the washing machine, even if there is a small leak. I'll just bag up any clothes that get wet for when we get home and worry about them then. Now, over the years, it did get a little bit easier because my in-laws did end up, we did end up having um, kids ourselves, and my brother-in-law had kids, so they ended up having young children with diapers around. So they ended up having trash that had diapers in it anyway. So they started taking those trash to the transfer station. So there was other trash that had diapers in it that I would just put diapers into. I'd double bag them first so that they weren't obvious. But that made it a lot easier to not have to try and freeze diapers and sneak them into town because there was other trash that was going to have diapers in it so there was somewhere for me to put them. We've since moved back to our home state, so we don't do that insane long drive anymore. So most of this is now a moot point. Next, I have a post from one of the other moderators at the Adult Bedwetting Sub. My flip side. Family doesn't know I'm incontinent. Most of the time, if I'm visiting someone for more than a day or two at my dad's house, he wouldn't have any problems with me using the washing machine. I might say I spilled a drink on the sheets or blankets if he asked why I was washing them. I generally throw diapers wrapped up in an opaque plastic bag in an outside trash if there's room without it being obvious that I'm taking up a ton of the trash. I've also used public trash cans before, taking a few bag diapers out with me when I run errands and dropping them off in the trash outside the store or at the park or something. If I have to store wet clothes or even diapers until they can be tossed, I use wet bags. The good ones do a decent job of sealing in odors as well. I bring my own bed pad with me and sleep on it. My largest issue has always been just how much room even the unused diapers take up. Because my family doesn't know I'm incontinent, I can't ship supplies ahead to their house. Last time I went to my dad's for a couple of weeks, I put a case of diapers in the trunk of my car before going down there. When flying, that's not nearly as easy. I also don't like going through security now, so the fact that it's easier to deal with supplies if I'm driving is I choose that more than flying whenever possible. I have to agree with her there. 
Diving is definitely simpler than flying when diapers are involved, even if it takes a little longer. Our next post was from Snowy Frost, who also wrote about driving home for the holidays. For my holiday, I'm driving to see my family with my dad. On dry roads, it's a two and a half day trip. Little to no sleeping while driving. This time it's the middle of winter in Canada. So I don't even know how long the road time will be. For the trip itself, I've already ordered two packs of Foresight diapers, and I've decided to leave the pull-ups at home. Two or more days stressed by the road conditions full of caffeine. I need something high capacity and leak-proof. My dad knows, and knows I ordered diapers for the trip, just hoping that I get them in time now. As for my time with family, some of them do know my issues have gotten worse. My mother knows, and I believe my sister, who I'll be staying with, knows as well. The rest of my family, I don't know. I know it wouldn't be a bad thing if they did know. I'll keep it under wraps until I know that either someone told them or a nosy family member goes through my stuff, which actually happened last visit, but I had them visit, but I had them hidden under my bed I was using. As for disposal, on the road, I'll be using whatever bathrooms or single person and bring my bag in use the garbage in there. At home or my sister's place, I can talk to them beforehand. My plan is to tell the few friends who didn't find out, but I don't know if I'll have time to see everyone, so I'll cross that bridge when it comes. It sounds like he's pretty open about the whole situation in general. Sounds like most of his friends know, and it seems that most of his family knows as well. The next story comes from a user in a slightly different situation. He's home from the, for the holidays, but his family is hosting extended family. I happen to be home from school for the holidays and very much dealing with this exact situation. My mom does know, but at 23, I'm sure most of my extended family think I stopped a long, long time ago. My problem is I never completely stopped bedwetting. I did it every night until I was 14, and after that, less and less often, until I leveled out a week or, to a week or so with some weeks completely dry and others completely wet, depending on circumstances, stress, and that sort of thing. Being home for the holidays is stressful because of it in so many ways. My mom is a saint, and without her, I wouldn't even come home. The risk-reward analysis just wouldn't make it worthwhile. She can even be a source of stress, though, just in being well-meaning. She still asks me every morning I'm home if I slept well. Was I wet or dry the night before? She will caution me when family is staying over, suggesting I might want to wear pajamas to bed, and so-and-so is staying in the house, meaning I should wear a diaper to bed because otherwise my secret might get out. It's only helping, and I'm not ungrateful, but it's still embarrassing, as if at my age I can't figure out how to deal with it. Still, she's what makes these longer trips home possible without too much stress. She always asks me to take out the garbage, which solves that disposal problem. She will, without mentioning it, wash the sheets from every bed in the house one day, because mine are wet. She's really awesome and so good to me about it, and always has been. Another problem around the holidays is who is sleeping where and with whom. I have my own room in the house, so you'd think I'm exempt from the bed roulette. It's never stopped my aunts and uncles from foisting their boys off on me for a place to sleep. Admittedly, I have a room and a queen bed, but one I'm reluctant to share for obvious reasons. This has been going on for over ten years. 
They have a cousin about my age who also left the bed until he was 12 or 13. We spent so many nights together growing up. Who else would be going to sleep over with? But when he stays here, I don't mind sharing. Yes, it's embarrassing that I'm going to bed in a diaper still and he isn't. He's also the last person who's going to tell anybody else or give me crap about it. More than that, I've always been willing to take the little ones, at least since I was 14, 15. Six and under kids don't pick up on that you're wearing a diaper if you're discreet. And if they happen to be bedwetters and diapers, nobody pays attention to them when they insist that their teenage cousin wears one too. You might have guessed by now, bedwetting runs in my family a bit. The other exception is another cousin who, just now 13, still does it sometimes. I knew about him since I'm old enough that the adults talk openly in front of me, and I'm sometimes a source of advice on exactly this issue. Though he'd have never known about me had I not rescued him from sleeping on a couch in a room full of younger cousins three years ago when I was home for the summer. I took the chance he wouldn't out me if I rescued him by letting him sleep in my room, as far as I know, he never even told his mom. He's welcome to bunk with me, and while it's more awkward for me, it's better for him and everyone else. It might help to understand while I'm living away at college, my room has become the bedwetter's room for my cousins, grandkids, my second cousins, and any other kids who bedwet and sleep over at my parents' house. Here is where I should probably explain that my family is huge, and my parents' house has become the other place after my grandparents died, and the house is big, six bedrooms total. I don't mind this. My mom tried to apologize once. And I was like, my bed is the only one with all the protection. I basically live three hours away. Why wouldn't you put the wet ones in my room? But you know what? It was still embarrassing. So given my room is off limits for and by invitation when I'm here, the invitations are basically exclusive to bedwetters. It's the designated room for anyone not reliably dry at night when I'm not figures that an awful lot of family members must know something is up, which is uneasy, but is never discussed. So that's the backdrop to my coming home for the holidays while still sometimes wetting the bed. Right now it's 1 a.m. Christmas Eve. There's a 13-year-old cousin of mine asleep in my bed, and I'm headed that way soon. I grab my PJs in a diaper to slip into the bathroom and change so I can go to bed too. Tomorrow no one will mention it, or at least those who know my cousin isn't dry at night might talk, but hopefully just to say how nice it is that even after being dry for years, I'm still willing to give him cover by letting him sleep in my room. That's how families get along. Not being too curious, sometimes not putting two and two together, giving each other space and the benefit of the doubt, sacrificing a little for one another, and a lot of unspoken trust. I love my family, and they love me. If it was announced tomorrow with everyone here that I'm still not dry at night, well, I'd be embarrassed, but everyone would just feel bad for my being embarrassed and try to be as nice to me as they can. Some would be surprised, some would simply nod, and sh nod their heads knowingly, some would think too much of it. That's what family is, people who will accept you as you are. that doesn't just about sum up the meaning of the holidays, I don't know what does. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can reach reach out to me at the Adult Bedwetting subreddit. It's at www.reddit.com slash r slash adultbedwetting. Or you can email me at adultenuretic at gmail.com. 
This is Adult Enuretic saying happy good night and a dry morning. Thank you.